everybody, Susan Finch here, your host for All Volunteer, All Heart for Binky Patrol. And I have been trying to get this guest on for over a year. Russ Kalsma is with Little Bricks Charity. And I met him through a client of mine because we know that Binky Patrol is not my paid gig. And I was exposed to him through my friend Shay Ernice and the NRBA, NRBA.com. Woo, hats off to yeah, all of you guys. Yeah, let's go NRBA. Woohoo. And I just fell for him and everything that he does, his energy. And so I wanted to bring him on to tell the story because there is nobody. Well, okay, maybe I was more bootstrapped when we started Binky Patrol, but Russ is right there. And I want him to tell his story on that, to a degree, that struggle, because he was so driven by the mission, what drove him to his mission, how he had to handle it all to start. And then in part two, which will be another episode, we're going to talk about the tactics that he has used to grow this organization to actually be able to support him and Little Bricks. So Russ, welcome. What's up, Susan? Thank you so much for asking me on and, and continuing to follow up so we can get this set up. I love this. This is going to be awesome. Well, for those of you, because you're listening to this, I am usually the brightest setting in the room because of all my greens and oranges and stuff, but I am looking at Russ's studio and it has a huge structure made out of Lego bricks, of course, that has the NRBA name in the bricks based on how many donations they have given him. I just see bright color boxes everywhere and sets of Legos <laughs> and all these things that he is in the middle of doing bare feet. He has so many odd things in his office. I wish you could all it see really it. It is, man. It is an <laughs> eclectic vision of of just all the things that we've acquired along our travels and all the gifts from all the amazing people that are part of the Little Bricks Nation. It just is like a, a real life scrapbook of just this journey. It is. So let's talk about that. What led you to filling this need that you saw? Why did you see the need? And what did yeah. you do to initially launch it? It's a long story. It's crazy too. It's a story that it wasn't something I was seeking out. It was something that really found me. And uh, it all starts with a passion for Lego. As a kid, I loved Lego. I collected it all the way up through like middle school. And then like many people, I just went away from it, right? Like I grew up and play just wasn't my focus at that time. So uh, when my daughter was born, we got the old Lego bricks out and I started collecting and becoming part of the AFOL community, the adult fan of Lego community. And I started a news show on Facebook at the time was like the big thing. So I was a live news show every night with my daughter who was four at the time. And we would go over all the new Lego sets and people would send us stuff in to review. And it was so much fun. Uh, and one day, a story came across our desk of a nonprofit over in the UK called Fairy Bricks. They deliver Lego to children's hospitals, and they had a delivery van that was broken into, and over 2,000 Lego sets were stolen from their delivery van. And this was just before Christmas, and my daughter heard about this, and she was like, oh, no, Daddy, we have to do something. So with her help and the help of my community, we came up with the idea of breaking a world record to raise money. And we raised almost $2,000 and we ended up having, having this awesome event set up that kind of set me on the path of where I am today. Like I said, it just wasn't something I was seeking out. It was just something that 
naturally progressed. You know, as we were doing this fundraising, I was looking into why Fairy Bricks was doing what they were doing. I thought it was so neat, you know, and I was like, man, you know, Lego really is the best tool for these children. Yes. So I looked all around the U.S. and there were some small groups like coming together here and there and just making a small donation of you know, 40, 50 Lego sets and making an p- impact, but just on a local level. So I was like, I'm, this is it. You know, I felt it in my heart. This is my purpose. So I spent about a year with Little Bricks as just like a little side project where we were just kind of doing a few things. And after that year, TikTok happened and it changed the way we did everything and and the way I looked at Little Bricks as hey, maybe this is something that I can go and do full time and just make a massive impact on people. I love it. And I agree with you on that too, that journey, the unexpected journey, and it's not dissimilar to Binky Patrol, where my mom asked me to help her make blankets for unwed mothers and the light went off. And I said, hey, I'm going to do this. And then within what two weeks, Oprah's people contacted us put us on her show. And, you know, I could have said, no, we're not ready. No, we're not ready. It's too early. I don't have my act together. You have to say yes to those things when they are presented to you. You have to say yes to those opportunities. And I think that's, that's what sets apart charities that are able to take off with that pureness. Yeah. I think that's where success stems from in all aspects of life is finding or looking for an opportunity and seizing it. There are have been many trips and many events and many things that I've done over the past two years. And when I say many, I mean at least once a month where I literally have no idea what I'm about to do. I just know what the end goal is and I know we'll figure out how to make it work. And through every one of those things, I'm learning something new about the way the nonprofit world works because it is very different than a for-profit world. I think that's one mistake that I made coming into this. And I think it's a mistake that a lot of people make is they go, hey, I'm a great businessman, which means I'm going to be a great nonprofit CEO or, or leader of a nonprofit. And while yes, those skills definitely help out, there's a lot more to it that a lot of people don't see. And especially at a small level, if, if you're a one man or two man operation, you're wearing a lot of hats, a lot. Uh, and you're having to follow the red tape line to make sure everything's done, you know, in clear view and in accordance with everything. So, Right. Going back to what you were saying about looking for opportunities, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. I think it's seen the opportunities. Yes. Because they are laid at our feet constantly. Yeah. And too many times we dismiss them. We don't sit in them. We don't consider it saying it's so different. No. And we're too quick to dismiss it all rather than. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because I am writing a speech right now called passion, purpose, and opportunity. The one thing that I like ask this universe for pray for is, uh, or two things I pray for is just please provide me the ability to see opportunities 
and I'll take care of the rest. I think another thing with opportunity though, is you can't dwell on a missed opportunity because there are so many. If you're looking for them, there's one or two a day that that's right there, right at your fingertips. You just got to go for it. And if you miss one, you know what, chalk it up to a lesson learned and you got to move on to the next opportunity. I've dwelled on missed opportunities so long that I've missed many opportunities uh, while thinking about that one big one that, that got away. I got away. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you on that. How old is your daughter now? My daughter is nine now. Nine. And today we almost had to delay this recording, everybody, because she dislocated her shoulder and then today is St. Patrick's Day. If you're listening to a replay, she was not wanting to miss the St. Patrick's party. So Russ had to take her back after going to urgent care. She's a, a tough little cookie, man. <laughs> so as a father, how has this worked out wanting to give 12, 14 hours a day to a nonprofit that there is no money for you? How challenging is that? I know for me, yeah. I had like 20 hour days when I started being Keep Patrol because I I had to work and yeah, I couldn't do enough uh, for Binky. It is the toughest thing that I've ever had to face. I came into this going, hey, I want to make my own schedule. I want to be there for my daughter. I want to be there for my wife. And I want that flexibility. But that flexibility is a double-edged sword, especially when it's something as powerful as, as a nonprofit, because that flexibility while it's there and I can turn down an event, you really can't turn down many events because you need those events to survive and thrive. I travel anywhere from seven to 14 days out of a month. So That's almost two weeks out of a month. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the road or I'm going to local vendors and things and I'm out searching Walmarts at O dark 30, because that's when the clearance, instead of tucking my daughter in some nights, I'm in Walmart grabbing the deals because that's when the deals are all put on the shelf. And we want to be there to get those clearance deals and things. So it's, okay, I want to touch on that for a second because yeah. I watch people abuse their nonprofits. I've seen this enough where they yeah. take advantage of it. It's like, I want to get this. Oh, I, I like Legos. So if I do this, Lego will give us Lego sets. How cool is that? And that let's give a reality check. You're no, no, buying no. Lego sets. You are it's buying our largest expense. Uh, I literally just placed an order for $35,000 uh, worth of Lego sets yesterday. Um, we're buying these Lego sets and I'm having to go through any and every avenue I can to get the best deal all throughout the year. We really do try to stretch our dollar as much as we can. And the one way that I can do that is knowing the clearance cycles, knowing our budget at the time, and making sure that those two things align so I can bombard the shelves, pull everything out of when it's on clearance, and then we'll have enough to get us to raise the budget back up for the next clearance cycle. I was really hoping this year, by year three, the end of year three, year four, that we would be working with Lego in a full official capacity. Uh, we have had amazing conversations with Lego. I think it's something that is just going to take time. And I think Lego's like many corporations out there. Uh, I think every corporation, the proof is in the pudding, right? Every corporation wants to know that who they're working with has 
their brand and best interest, has the charity's best interest, and is doing everything to like max capacity. They, they want to see that their donation is going to be really stretched and actually go to the purpose. So the past three years, we've been proving ourselves. We've laid out a track record. Last week, we delivered to our 33rd Children's Hospital, and it is amazing. And every single one of these events that we go to, the charity becomes stronger, our community becomes stronger, and our case for Lego to join us becomes stronger. So, with smaller nonprofits, and I know this, you know, from our own perspective, what helps us gain credibility is doing all the dopey paperwork, everything filed, everything registered, everything uploaded, all the I's, you know, dotted, T's crossed, yeah. because we have to have that transparency in our accounting to show. We're not in the hole. We aren't pulling from our own personal bank account. How yeah. are we funding this so it can live on its own? And then from yeah. there, getting letters from people, testimonial letters that this and has made a difference. This is this. Yeah. yeah, we had an event with them and we loved it because everybody participated and we all got to do this. But all of that is what builds the case for larger donors or partners to trust us. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, I have three things. First off, accounting. We started off with Excel and doing everything by hand, which got the job done. It was cheap. It was in, but it really was an ineffective tool. I highly suggest anyone who's starting a nonprofit invest in a software like, you know, a financial software. And there are courses all over that are inexpensive, put courses and, and knowledge and things like that into your budgets each year. So you can take advantage of all these things. If we had had the knowledge I have now, the financial systems back then, we would be so much further than we are right now. I know now what my margin of Lego is every single day. Like yeah. right now we're at 32% of market value on every Lego set that we purchased from day one. It's knowing those numbers is, is a huge thing. And then with bigger donors, as much as financials are great and they really are going to be required for any sort of proposal or anything like that, I think the real big thing that has helped us out so much is branding and marketing. As much as I know no one wants to hear that, beautiful thing for me is none of that's cost us a thing because I do all of that myself. But every single event we do, I try to get local media out. I try to spread the word. I put out a press release. And everything that we do is in like the same style, the same scope. And we're documenting everything. Everything is being documented. We live in a world where if you didn't catch it on film, it didn't happen. And like, if you don't have proof, well, too bad. So it's something that's always been difficult for us is getting footage or uh, video or photos of what we do because there are these patient confidentiality yeah. and all kinds of uh, HIPAA uh, laws that we have to comply with. But I am finding that as I have more and more notoriety nationwide through different news articles and things, that hospitals are much more willing to trust me and they're willing to go like that extra step to make sure those things are 
in place when we show up. So like this last hospital, for instance, we got to build with 12 different kids. We got to record all of it. We had fun interviews with these kids and we just enjoyed it and smiled and laughed. But we were able to capture all of that. And it's because the hospitals have grown to trust us and they know that we're going to provide everything to them, you know, upfront, like this is what it all looks like, you guys can approve it all. But more importantly, is if something does slip through the cracks that my level of standards is higher than theirs, even if they don't catch something, I'll end up catching it, or it won't even be be posted. So you just got to continue to follow through and make sure that you have documentation of everything that you do. It makes everything so much easier. That's a great place to end this episode. It gives us our story and it lets us have a nice segue into the next one. Be sure to listen to the next episode, everybody, where we're going to talk about some of the tactics and some of both of our recommendations on how to document, how to create events, and the social tools, the free tools, make use of them. And I'm even going to dip into a little bit of chat GPT and some other things to save time, to help you with your writing because we don't all have the budget for marketing help. Sometimes we just need a little refinement. So this is Susan Finch. Please find us in all your favorite podcast apps. This is All Volunteer, All Heart from Binky Patrol. And I've been here with Russ Cavanaugh of Little Bricks Charity. Russ, thank you so much. Yeah, you guys have a great one. See you in the next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Impact for Good at impact4good.com. Impact for Good is the one source for bringing community service to your next event. Excited and engaging team building activities are just part of what they offer. Let them identify the best cause or beneficiary to support, manage the donation logistics, and bring the spirit of community service to your group. From your initial request through the day of your event, Impact for Good handles all the details. Be sure to visit them at Impact the number four good.com. That's impact for good.